Today on the CMB Podcast, I had leadership coach Dave Kraft join me to talk about why creative people need to learn how to lead. Whether you lead a worship ministry, a three-piece band, or you're a solo artist out of a basement, everyone needs to grow in their leadership. That's what's today on the CMB Podcast, session number 27. Welcome to the CMB Podcast, a podcast designed to serve people of faith who make music. If you're looking for practical and inspirational ideas to help you in your musical craft, then look no further. ChristianMusicBlog.com is all about helping you think differently about creativity through eyes of faith as you learn how to establish healthy musical habits and disciplines, fueling your creativity and making you more prolific for the glory of God. And now your host, Nate Fancher. Hello and welcome to the 27th episode of the CMB Podcast. This is a podcast serving artists and songwriters in their journey of music making through eyes of faith. We cover a wide spectrum on this podcast of subjects that matter to the Christian musician. If you are a believer in Jesus and you're looking to grow in your musical craft, then I would invite you to join us, dive in with us as we learn about music and music making through eyes of faith. Maybe this is your first time listening to this podcast. If it is, I ask that you stick with me through this episode, and at the end, I want to tell you all about a special gift that I only mention on this podcast. I'll tell you all about that at the end here today. So I want to get right to today's conversation with Dave Kraft. If you're an artist in today's music economy, you have to learn how to lead. Clearly, those of you who are worship ministry leaders in your church or are in roles of defined responsibility um, somewhere in your job, if it's musical, obviously this will apply to you, but this episode is not just for you. It's also for the singer-songwriter who's on the road sharing his or her music in a coffee shop somewhere or in a house show somewhere. Leadership matters. Um, John Maxwell, author of the book 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, great book, he's known for his famous saying, everything rises or falls on leadership. Today's guest, Dave Kraft, is passionate about seeing leaders finish well. His book, Leaders Who Last, is all about equipping leaders to build on the right foundation and and teaching them how to pace themselves for maximum effectiveness. This is a subject that artists are not exempt from. Just because you may not be a type A CEO uh, of a Fortune 500 company doesn't mean you shouldn't learn about the importance of growing in your leadership. If you listen to CMB Session 25 with Susan Fontaine Godwin. Great session. I encourage you to go back and check that out. Um, it was about copyrights, publishing, and their their company, Christian Copyright Solutions, is phenomenal. Um, but you'll remember how she reminded us that um, though for many of us this may be a ministry, there is something important about viewing what you do from an entrepreneurial perspective, especially this day and age with, with regard to how the music business has changed. So many things have changed. And the importance of leadership is is crucial. It's more crucial than ever. So learn how to lead and learn how to be a leader who finishes well. So here's my conversation with Dave Kraft on session 27 of the CMB podcast. Well, I'm here with Dave Kraft. Dave is a pastor at Marcel Church in Orange County, where he works with leadership development and coaching. He is a best-selling author. He's written two books, Leaders Who Last, and his latest book, Mistakes Leaders Make. 
He and his wife, Susan, have been married for over 40 years with four children and seven grandchildren. And today we're going to talk about what leadership looks like for creative people, and we'll be mainly drawing from his book, Leaders Who Last. Dave, thanks so much for being on the podcast with me today, man. Well, it's a privilege, Dave. I appreciate your extending the invitation to me, and we'll just pray that the Lord will use this time to his honor. Yeah, amen. Well, for those folks who don't know who you are, I thought it'd be great to start with you just sharing your story, how you how you came to faith in Christ, and your, maybe your time with the Navigators and how that led to where you are today. Well, I grew up in uh, Southern California, Nate. I was born in the Los Angeles area, and my family moved to Palm Springs when I was seven years old, and that's where a lot of my early, uh, both my conversion and my spiritual growth took place. I come from a Jewish family, so both sides of my family are 100% Jewish, both sides as far back as you want to go. So it was quite a bit of an upheaval in my family when one of the three boys decided he was going to begin exploring uh, the Christian faith. I was working at the post office at the time, and the only mail carrier in that office was a Christian. And of all the guys they could have paired me up with to learn, you know, the million rules and regulations of the U.S. postal system. And sure, they don't have it down yet because they're still in trouble to this day, but that's another topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I was paired up with him, and I went out with him in a three, three-quarter ton panel truck for days and days, probably two or three weeks. And uh, he was a brand new Christian. His name was Lloyd. And he talked to me about Jesus, how wonderful it was to be a Christian. And it was, it was like a foreign language to me. I had no idea what he was talking about. I never heard anything like this. Um, I was at that time 19 years old. I'd been to a Christian church three times in my entire life. I'd never opened a Bible, had no idea. I didn't know anything about Jesus. But over three weeks, you know, the Holy Spirit began to tug at my heart. And they had a youth banquet uh, three months after I first started attending his church. And I was ready that night. I'd heard the gospel. I hadn't heard a clear invitation, but I heard parts and pieces of the gospel. And so that night, February 24th, 1960, was my night. Uh, they brought an evangelist down from Los Angeles. Uh, he taught and preached at a Wednesday night youth banquet. And that night, uh, God opened my heart, enabled me by his grace to respond to him. And uh, I became a Christian. Uh, a couple of years later, I met the Navigators. And we can go on and discuss that if you'd like to. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. The guy that was my Sunday school teacher in this church owned a hotel in the Palm Springs area, and he was good friends with the Navigators up in the Los Angeles area, which was about two hours from Palm Springs. And so he invited me out on a Saturday morning. I was off work. I came out. He wanted me to come out and meet these young men and women who were part of the Navigator organization. And so I came out, and I liked what I saw, and I started getting invitations to go to conferences and, and meetings. And a couple of years after that, I was extended the invitation to leave Palm Springs move back to uh, Pasadena in the Los Angeles area and move into a Navigator home for some training. And so I did that, uh, followed what I believe was the Lord leading, moved into this Navigator home. There were probably six or eight people. There were some ladies who lived out in the back apartment. There were guys who lived in the main part of the home. And so I went through a, a training period of a couple of years, and then I got sent out with a couple other guys to start a Navigator ministry at Cal Poly Pomona, which is a campus, you know, college campus close to that same Los Angeles area. And I was on staff of the Navigators uh, for 38 years. And it was toward the end of those years that it became increasingly clear to me that I was all about leadership development, that that, that was my passion. That was an area that I was extremely interested in, and I felt I could bring something to the table. So I made a decision uh, probably when I was in my... Uh, early 40s to basically dedicate the rest of my life to leadership and developing the next generation of leaders. That's exciting. 
Yeah, and it's it, it really shows. I mean, your your book, Leaders Who La- Who Last, was such a such a great book, and um, I I've read it twice. I was introduced to coaching by a guy that you coached for a short season. His name is Jim. He's a dear friend of mine, but he coached me for about a year, and I had never really known about coaching before. Okay, yeah, yeah, Jim. All yeah, right. and um, and so one of the books I read during that time was your book, Leaders Who Last. And for me, I'm a, I'm a songwriter, and a lot of the folks who listen to this podcast are, are creative folks, worship leaders, musicians, songwriters. And I, I think there tends to be a stereotype out there that we – we aren't very organized. We're not. We're not the most driven people. We like to sit mm-hmm. back and and just play guitar and sing, <laughs> you know. And um, yeah, yeah. And by and large, it's probably a true generalization. But but, um, and, and well, and I think on on the flip side of that same coin, there are artists who who probably react to a lot of the leadership kind of stuff out there. Like I I don't want to. I don't want to figure out how to do a personality test or do all these things that are just so left brain, right? But I thought we could explore, you know, why leadership is important for even people like me. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and and how how crucial it is, especially just at the the level with walking with Christ. You know, mm-hmm. leading ourselves and and learning to really govern ourselves. You know, as we follow Christ and what that means. Why is leadership important for everyone? If, if I could pose a question that way. Yeah, and especially maybe for the creative types. Yeah, especially okay. for, for well, those of there, yeah. there are two aspects of leadership, Nate. One, of course, is just leading yourself. Um, when I'm doing my coaching, I talk about we're, we're going to start off not talking about your work or your ministry or your calling. We're going to start. We're going to begin to talk about you. Mm-hmm. How are you taking care of yourself, stewarding yourself so you're operating from strength and health? How do you maximize your energy, whether you're a morning person or evening person? How do you create a good balance between your work life your personal life and your family life, because uh, whether we're creative types or, I mean, I think everyone are creative types. Some people yeah. own it and acknowledge it, but creative types would basically say, well, everyone's creative, we're just creative in different ways. Right, right. So whatever, whatever type you are, but since we're talking about uh, creative types. We could say um, we it, could say artsy-fartsy types, but I, there I've, never, you go. I've, I've never said that on the podcast before before now. But Well, you, you can always cut it later if you don't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh so yeah, leading yourself, and and I have creative types. When I, mean, I have coached worship pastors, so uh, uh, they are a little more loosey goosey. They don't like to be tied down. They don't like to be put in a box. They don't like to color within the lines. It's like what box? What lines? I don't see any lines. Is there a box here somewhere? Yeah. And uh, so that's fine. But what I basically tell them is, uh, you need certain amount of structure if you're going to be productive, especially if you go beyond leading yourself and you're going to impact others. Mm-hmm. There needs to be intentionality. There needs to be planning. There needs to be strategic thinking, and all of these things are part and parcel of leadership. I define leadership pretty simply. A leader is a person who has certain abilities and attributes that enable them, him or her, to take people from where they are to somewhere else. And the same thing is true of leading yourself. Um, You are focused on, you're tapping into the ability or resources you can find to help you go from where you are to someplace else, someplace that you think is better than where you are, someplace that, that God would say he wants you to go, whether it's in your spiritual life, whether it's in uh, with your children, with your family, with your, with your focus in ministry, whether you're, a, whether you're a worship leader or you lead a band or you're leading a team of uh, worship people, whether you're doing creative writing, whatever it is, it's always a matter of leading yourself so you're productive and healthy, and then the people that God gives you around you 
how do you lead them with intentionality and focus? So not that you're, uh, you, don't, you don't want to fly by the seat of your pants, as it were, but you don't want to be so tight. And when I'm coaching creative people, I'll tell them, we'll tighten it up just as much uh, as you want to tighten it up. So at the end of a day or the end of the week, you can say, I think I got done what God wanted me to get done this week. I haven't been running like the proverbial, you know, pollo loco, the crazy chicken. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm getting rest. I'm spending um, good time with my family. I'm spending good time in solitude to refresh and refurbish and refill my cup. So whatever that looks like for you. And, and creative types, there's some extremely organized creative types. And oh, yeah. There's some that are just the, the polar opposite. So mm -hmm. I like to do a case by case. You tell me where you want to go, and let's just see if we can minimize the amount of stress and frustration and dissatisfaction you experience because you're not intentional or not focused right. in, in, your, in your own life or in, with those that you're trying to lead. Very good. That's awesome. Now let's talk a little bit about, in your book, Leaders Who Last, the leadership wheel, as, as you put it. Um, and, and we could spend a lot of time talking about this, I'm sure, but I feel like it's such an important um, illustration for people. And how, when did you, I'd love to know, how did that come about for you as far as how you developed that? You know, it was one of those things, um, I would say it was a, it was a creative thing. Um, I had worked with different pieces of it. I've been talking and preaching and teaching for years about the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the person of Jesus Christ, because of his death and resurrection. That needs to be the focal point. And then I began to think, um, well, another thing that's got to come out of your relationship with Christ is increasing clarity about who you are, your calling, your purpose, your vision, your gifts. So then I came up with, well, then we're probably talking about purpose. So I kind of think, well, we got a couple of P's going here. we got power, we got purpose. Then I thought another key ingredient's got to be a sense of enthusiasm and passion. So I thought, well, passion is going to flow out of your relationship with Christ and increasing clarity about your purpose. And uh, But these are all conceptual ideas. So now, where does it happen? Well, it happens with the choices you make and uh, how fast you travel and how much you try to do. Mm -hmm. And then we already had <coughs> something called the navigator wheel that, that I've used for years in the navigators. It was the same wheel and it had Christ in the center, which is the same as the power thing and right. what I call the balance wheel. But then we had word, prayer, fellowship, and witnessing. So I basically took the navigator wheel and put other words in there. So it starts with the power of Christ and out of that power source, you relate vertically to him with a clear purpose and a sense of passion and power that's flowing through you because of your relationship with Christ and because of who he is. Mm -hmm. And then on a horizontal plane, it works itself out in the choices you make and how fast you travel. But the, but the, the, uh, the horizontal, too, need to flow out of the vertical. In other words, the priorities uh, that I set need to be based on what's coming out of my relationship with Christ and my purpose and what I'm excited about. So I'm not just busy doing things, but what I'm doing is flowing out of my walk with Christ, an increasing sense of purpose and the passion that accompanies that. Hmm. And then pacing is just how fast I travel, how much I do or don't do in a certain period, so that I'm managing with, with balance, with margin, with... Uh, uh, the idea of a guy named Tony Schwartz wrote a book called The Powerful Engagement. Uh, the, how do you engage, disengage, engage, disengage? Especially for creative types, they tend to let their creativity, I don't mean this as a criticism, 
that just cause you know craziness in their life where they're up two o'clock in the morning because they got a great idea, and so it just it can be um, creative chaos. Yeah. And they say, no, there's still going to be, I've got to get sleep. But, you know, you get your ideas flowing and your juices. Yeah. I will stay up all night. We'll stay up for three days until we crank this thing out. Yeah. And okay, once in a while. But if that's if that's your life, um, it might not be healthy for your family, you know, and everything else in the long run. Yeah, man, that's so good and, and true. Yeah, one of the things I was thinking of as you were talking is the different seasons of life that we go through, constantly having to, like, go back to that, that hub, you know, the power mm-hmm part and really um measure how i'm doing there and just be honest with myself and see you know because that's that holds all the spokes together right i mean that is the center exactly well if you take the center off the spokes have nothing to attach to and they just collapse it yeah yeah well i I love it um can you speak a little bit to that um i I know in your book you go into your own private how how your private devotion life looks day to day Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and how over the years you have guarded that and protected that you know um, you have four four children and they all have mm-hmm. grandkids now and so you've walked through a lot of different seasons and and you know how important it is so yeah well i think it is important um now once again i don't want to get legalistic about it different people have different rhythms different things that they do uh, but i do think having set intentional purposeful times alone in solitude to practice certain spiritual disciplines is critical to uh, to being a leader who lasts. And I've done a variety of things through the years. I mean, I've had my quiet time in the basement with a blanket over me. Uh, I can hear my kids walking around upstairs, Daddy, where are you? Where are you? And like when I finally appear, I tell them that Daddy's got a secret hiding place that he goes to before you kids are up so we can just spend some time alone with Jesus so he can be a better dad and a better husband. That's awesome. I've sat in my car out in the middle of the winter in the back seat after I've run and not go back to the house because I don't want to go back to the house. You know what was going to happen. I've, I've been in laundry rooms. I've been out in the woods. I've, I've been everywhere. But the, the, the key principle is just to be intentional and to carve out consistent, regular time. Just like you would eat. Uh, most of us eat three times a day. And uh, we're pretty consistent and pretty regular with that. And uh, I think we need to be consistent and regular with spiritual feeding. Uh, and there are basically two essentials of scripture and prayer. There are a lot of... Um, uh, things that spin off of those two, uh, solitude, confession, worship, repentance, um, but just hearing from God. Uh, I, I, I should direct people to the blog site, davecraft.org, just a lot of resources on there, Yeah. Uh, d-a-v-e-k-r-a-f-t dot org. Everything's free. You can have at it. You don't need my permission to utilize any of it, reprint it, send it to other people. But I have addressed this issue on numerous occasions, uh, uh, saying it this way, that the responsibility of every leader is to hear from God. I, I don't know what you have on your job description, whatever role and responsibility you might have as a worship leader, a uh, creative arts director in a church, or whether you're an author and a writer, you just create music, you lead music, you lead bands, you record, whatever it is you've got on your job description, if you really are a leader trying to help people go from where they are to somewhere else, I think the number one thing on your job description should be to regularly hear from God, because mm. that's going to set the stage for everything else. So that power thing is just sitting quietly, hearing from God, allowing His power, His grace, His mercy uh, to flow through me, to camp inside of me, and continually change me and transform me, and then allow that that changing, that transformation to flow over to the people around me. Mm-hmm. So in that first chapter in the book on power, I do go into some detail about, um, I would call them principles of how to spend that time alone. 
And yeah. so it's in that first chapter. Yeah, the read, reflect, respond, record. Exactly. Some of that. Yeah, read, reflect, respond, record. I call out the four R's. And I think it's a skeletal framework. You can use them regardless of how much you're reading, when you read, what you read. Um, I think to, to read and mark your Bible, mm. to then reflect and think about what you've read, to respond to God in prayer and obedience, and then to keep a, just a real simple, quiet time journal. I've been practicing that probably for 30 years. And, uh, and I've, I, yeah, I changed it up a bit, what I read or how much I read or when, but those four R's are still pretty consistent in what I do. What do you do? Um, this question just came to my mind here. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the spokes is purpose, mm-hmm. and one thing that I personally often struggle with in my own quiet times is I, I have all these things that are related to my my purpose, like the things I'm supposed to go do, the things I know that I'm called to do. They kind of pop up into my head when I just want to have a nice quiet time with the Lord, you know. And I'm thinking of a to do list or whatever, and I'm right. I, so I keep my journal open and I try to just jot it down so I can stop thinking about it, but. But do you wrestle with some of that? I do. You know, like you, I have a very active mind. I'm always thinking about ideas. And I think what you said, Nate, is exactly, you just keep a little piece of paper there so you don't lose the idea mm-hmm. and just write it down or you have a little dictaphone in your hand and say, hey, just a reminder to myself, I just got an idea, blah, 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 and then shut it off, put it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to go into that and start working on it because then that's disruptive right. to what you're doing. But you don't want to lose what you think is a thought that God just gave you uh, you don't want to lose it, so so make a note of it somewhere, whether it's electronically or or written down on a piece of paper, so you can return to it later. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you know, even um, like a songwriting worship leader might have this idea in his quiet time for a song or or yeah. something to do in worship, and, and it might seem like a, a really important thing to go give your your time to, but just to try to record it and, and forget about it and get back to just the the pure time with God. I mean, you mentioned even in your in your chapter on power just about how pastors, a lot of pastors, they kind of make the excuse, well, I'm preparing my sermon or, or something like that, you know. And um, that's just hard. Sometimes it's hard to kind of balance that to those two things. But something that practical you'd say, huh? Yeah, you know, there's, um, let me grab my Bible here. There's an interesting um, verse in uh, the book of Ezra, chapter 7. I mean, if I can just go there. It's Ezra um, uh, chapter 7, verse 10. Mm-hmm. And I think it captures a, a key principle. It's what you just mentioned there. So verse 10 says, and this is the ESV, For Ezra had set his heart. In some translations it reads he had disciplined himself. For Ezra had set his heart, devoted himself, disciplined himself, to study the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach statutes uh, and rules in Israel. So you see a progression here. He, first of all, he disciplined himself. He was intentional. He studied. He practiced it or implied it, applied it to his own life, and then he passed it on. Mm. So um, when a guy is studying something for a sermon and then he passes it on, he's, he's hopping over that middle step. He studied it. He practiced it, and oh, then yeah. he passed it on. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if a guy said, well, you know, I do all this preparation each week, and then I preach my sermon, so I'm in Scripture— I would say, but are you ignoring that middle piece? Are you studying and passing it on? But have you personally incorporated your own life, thought about it, prayed about it, 
and you are not perfectly, but you are by God's grace attempting to put into practice what you've disciplined yourself to study. Mm. And and then if you preach out of that, then then you're preaching out of your life. Yeah. Whereas if you preach without the practice piece, you're preaching out of your head or your theology, but it's not actually gone through your life. I think the preaching that comes out of your own experiences is a lot more powerful than preaching that just comes out of an academic exercise, you know, just yeah. from your head. Well, that's my experience. Well, it's awesome. And, um, yeah, again, I think in your book you talk about how every morning you you get on your knees and you just commit your day to the Lord even before you get into your your technical quiet time part, you mm-hmm. know. And um, I just know how easy it is for folks when they wake up. It's just so tempting to get in to your to-do list it just rushes into your life and right. for folks to just it's so counterintuitive i think for people who are especially people who are really driven and active and have a lot of ideas and doing things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's really yeah. good yeah. really really good so i encourage folks to um definitely that's the first section of that book i believe um mm-hmm. the, first the five chapters based on that uh, balance wheel now the 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 main i mean obviously the 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 title leaders who last is important and the cover has a really um, poignant image, all these tombstones in a graveyard, and then there's one little section of that graveyard that is without tombstones, and 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 it's drawing off the 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 statistic that Bobby Clinton had uh, came up with that only 30 percent of all leaders actually finish well. And I, I wanted to ask the question: What do you say to a person who might <laughs> that gravestone might be getting you know written? You know, it's in the process of their name getting written on it. You know, is there is there hope for them? How do they get? Back to the start, what should they do? Well, that's a great, uh, you have a lot of great questions, Nate, and that's another one. Um, you know, they say if a person is an alcoholic, uh, the first step is to just admit it. <laughs> yes. As long as you keep the nice, well, I, I, I can control, I, you know, I don't have a problem. I mean, you have a problem, but, you know, I'm fine, I'm doing fine, I'm not managing okay. And say, no, you're living in denial, bro. Yeah. You know, the, the first step is to say, I'm an alcoholic, I need help. So the first, the first step in all of this is to say, I am not doing well. Um, if I keep going like I'm going, I'm not going to finish well. And I need to own that and say that I'm living in disobedience. I'm not doing the things I believe God wants me to do to stay healthy and strong on a personal level with my family. So that, that's step number one. And I think that step number two then is to be to identify what are the things that will keep me healthy and strong uh, as, as the foundation for my leadership, my calling, my vision, whatever it is. Whether you're a creative type like you who, who writes and composes and, and uh, you know, interfaces, interacts with other creative types around the country. Uh, whatever it is that you're doing, the chances of you doing it for a long time and being a leader who, who finishes well, a leader who lasts, it's important that you lead yourself first and you steward your energy, your time, your talent, your ability, so forth. And uh, so it, it, it means a great deal of intentionality. In our coaching, we work with, and maybe Jim has shared this with you, uh, we, we work with what we call an ideal week, where you actually sit down and think through your week. Uh, how many week, how many hours a week is it reasonable for me to work? Um, let's say you say 60 hours a week, somewhere between 50 and 60. Well, then when am I working those hours? Because when you decide when you're working, by default, you're also deciding when you're not working. And that's where everything else goes. That's where sleep goes eating time with important people in your life, a time with Jesus, exercise, uh, relaxing, doing things that, that restore your creative energy and so forth. Mm. And, and what I've seen in the, in the coaching, Nate, is a lot of guys just give themselves 100% to all of the work 
and their family and their personal life get, get the leftovers. It is a matter of time to either become sick or burn out or quit or just angry and frustrated. Mm. So it's a matter of going back to the drawing board and trying to get, by God's grace, a fairly good balance between work, personal life, and family life. And that takes a great deal of intentionality. It's a matter of being proactive rather than reactive. Well, I just deal with whatever comes up. Well, then you're a slave to the tyranny of the urgent. It's better to be say, I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to decide how I'm going to use my time in light of what God's called me to do, my gifts, my passion. And another uh, ingredient in all of this is capacity. Yeah. Everyone is not the same. Uh, others, some people need more downtime, need, need more sleep, uh, need, need more margin. And other people seem to go at a horrendous pace for long periods of time. So it's a matter of just who am I? Am I, uh, am I more of a rabbit, a turtle, somewhere in between? Am I an eagle? Am I a duck? And uh, they're all different types. And so it's a matter of being true to how God created you and not trying to, which is very easy, I guess, even in your world, like in my world, uh, you compare yourself with some other worship leader, some other creative type. Well, I should be able to work at the level he works and have the platform he has. And Not necessarily. Mm. What platform does God want Nate to have? What, what is Nate's capacity and what is Nate's gifting and calling? So that comparing thing, you know, is a is a is a vicious animal in and of itself. Yeah, for sure. I know a lot of a lot of guys, like you said, in my world, definitely deal with that for sure. Um, well, that's really good. I mean, can you share? I mean, you don't have to name names, obviously, but some examples of some 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 guys who you've seen just make that transformation from being on the verge of burnout and ruining everything to just complete redemption. Um, <clears throat> well, there's some, some guys that, names that we recognize that have hit that wall, as it were, and have written about it. One of them, of course, is Wayne Cudero, you know, the pastor of, uh, of uh, the church in Hawaii. He wrote a book called Leading on Empty, where he shares his story about how he crashed. And his friends basically had to almost chain him and transport him to a rehabilitation uh, home where he could rest and recuperate and so forth. And I think he shared in the book he ran away a couple of times or tried to run away, and they grabbed him and sent him back again. And uh, But you could repeat that a James Dobson. I don't even know if James Dobson is still alive, but of course started to focus on the family. He shares how he had a heart attack, overworked, uh, trying to do too much. Uh, uh, John Maxwell had a heart attack, uh, recuperating. And, and, I, um, and I work with guys. I coach guys that have already had their first heart attack. And they're not 50 years old yet. I got a real wake-up call a number of years ago when a guy that I was working with and mentoring had a heart attack at 39 years of age. Wow. That really got my attention. Mm. And so they're getting them uh, at younger ages. It's not unusual for a guy to have a heart attack in his 40s. It used to be you wouldn't have one until you were in like late 50s, 60s, or even 70s. So I think mm. we're living with a lot of stress. We're doing too much comparing. We're not taking care of ourselves. So I think... Um, yeah, the, the way to last, um, and I've given you a couple of examples. I wouldn't give uh, names of people I personally know. That might not be fair, but I've known several pastors that have, uh, that have burned themselves out and learned some valuable lessons through it and have tried to do a better job of just pacing themselves and monitoring themselves. I, use, I have a phrase um, I use. I refer to um, seeing Sabbath as a principle, not just a day of the week. Yeah. Uh, practicing Sabbath as a daily principle, engage, disengage, engage, disengage, having margins, boundaries, um, 
between things going on. A lot of people come to work in the morning, they work 16, 18 hour days, they get to the end of the day, they're absolutely just wiped out, they have no energy, nothing left to give to their wife and their family, and, um, and then, but they're waiting for their day off to save them. And I've said, I don't think that's what God had in mind with the concept of Sabbath. Hmm. Sabbath is not just a day of the week, it's a life principle of pacing, of engaging, disengaging, and so forth. That's really good. No, I think it's really great. I mean, the examples you mentioned, those those would be known guys, John Maxwell. I mean, he's he's the guru on leadership, right? I mean, that's... And it's he had really, a heart attack when he was before he was 50, I think. Wow. And it's just really cool to see and learn from them, and, and, and they have a lot of wisdom in that regard, for sure. Very cool. Um, excellent. I think that leads into... Uh, Another question, you know, you you started to mention just, well, you, you see like the age drop as as you see more stressed out leaders. Um, what would be some concerns you have about maybe the leadership development world? Is there anything that is missing that you see in the popular leadership yeah. bookshelves? Or, right. And then what encourages you at the same time? Nate, I think one of the things that's missing um is a person who walks into leadership who is primarily a doer, but not a delegator, which means they take too much on themselves. For whatever reason, they're either unwilling or unable to trust other people, to give decision-making authority to other people. So that they have, for instance, they have a strong administrator that they work with and they're willing to give uh, responsibility, decisions, uh, handling of email, phone calls to someone else. I had this conversation numerous times with young, um, very high-flying, and the disc, we call them high D, high I's. A D is a dominant leader, an I is an influencer. So they're charismatic, they're forward-thinking, they're visionaries. But quite often what they share in common, Nate, is they want to do everything themselves. They want, to, they want a high bar of excellence, and so they're reluctant to give something to someone else for fear it would fail or wouldn't be up to their expectations, which means they have too much on their own plate and it's just a matter of time to they burn out. Mm. So I usually tell, and, and a lot of guys I coach, that's exactly where they are. One of the first discussions we get into is probably the best thing you can do is since you are a big picture thinker, you're more the creative type, idea generator, is get somebody to be joined at the hip with you who is good at implementation, who's good with the details. Uh, so you can give things to them, help them carry it out. That's I kind of, I say it's like you go to a big whiteboard and you paint a picture of your idea that you're thinking about. And you turn to this person and you say, you, you see what I'm seeing here? You know me, you've been working with me for a while. You understand this picture that I just painted for you. And he says, yeah, I understand it. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a road from where we are to that picture. Um, it would not be the best use of who I am. I'm going to go on and do, develop another picture, and I'm going to check in with you, but I want to give you the responsibility for figuring out how do we go from where we are to seeing that picture happen. What's it going to cost us? How long is it going to take us? What kind of people do we need? What kind of team do we need to carry it out? And I trust you uh, to come back with a game plan that we can discuss together, and then I'm going to turn you loose and ask you to form a team of people and, uh, and make it happen. And meanwhile, I'm moving on to another idea. I see this all the time. The guys that come up with the picture and then try to keep their hand on the picture and then build the road usually don't do well. Wow, yeah. That's insightful. That's awesome. Well, what's something that encourages you as you look out there? I mean, you, you see 
Catalyst, you know, there's all these great leadership conferences, yeah. a lot of gr- great leadership books out there. What would be some encouragements or? Well, I think the biggest encouragement is that the guys who are a little bit older are finally coming to the place where they realize I need to be investing in the next generation of leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have a lot of pastors out there, 50 and 60 years old. In fact, I've got uh, I've got something coming out uh, later this week. I think it's going to show up Friday at the, at the website. It's going to be called "How to Know When Your Organization or Church Is in Trouble," and there are ten signs. One of the signs is is when you look around you, there isn't a 20 or 30 year old in sight, and everybody in your leadership team is 55 years and older. Mm-hmm. When you look around and you don't see any 20 or 30 year olds, and everyone is 55, you're in trouble. Because before you know it, everyone's going to be 55 and 60, and uh, just a matter of time. If you do own a building, they'll be tearing the building down and using it, selling it for firewood. So I think one of the things that 50 or 60, and I have this conversation all the time, is look out in your group, in your congregation, your church, in your world. Where are the young, capable, anointed uh, young men and women that you should begin investing and pouring your life into? So that when you're 60, there's a whole generation of younger people coming up behind you. And uh, you can even look in the business world and see this happen. That uh, a business could be a well-known business. All of the leaders, the CEO, the CFO, the CEO, they're all 50 and 60 years old. But they don't have any young people coming up in just a matter of time until they miss the train. Because they're not going to be in touch with the way a younger generation thinks anymore. So that's probably the most encouraging thing is that we're seeing people who are 50 and 60 starting to work at delegating, training, developing 20 and 30-year-olds. That's awesome. In the Mars Hill, the church that I uh, function in, I mean, that's, that's our meat and potatoes is those young 20 and 30-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that Mars Hill definitely um, is, is not the exception to the rule, though, isn't it? I mean, it's like amazing what's happening out there with young men. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. And there are others, you know, there are other yeah. leaders, you know, rather there's just a good, healthy stream of young leaders coming up. So that's the encouraging thing uh, that people are realizing this and they're starting to delegate, train, and develop. But the question I, I get asked all the time is what do we do to set up a leadership development plan and pathway at our church? So we are looking for these younger people. So are we intentionally investing them, training them, developing, giving them responsibility? Yeah, that's awesome. Now, your most recent book is Mistakes Leaders Make. Would it be cool if you just gave a short synopsis of what that book's about? And, and, um, and you know, it's very, I guess it's similar, but there is certainly a difference to it. It's 10 yeah. mistakes, right? It's 10 different Right, things. 10 mistakes. Uh, leaders who last is what you should do in order to last well, and kind of mistakes is what you don't want to do yeah. so that you wouldn't last well. So the mistakes are all when one thing replaces another. So the first chapter deals with when ministry replaces Jesus, where the ministry, the calling, the vision, whatever you have, becomes more important than Jesus himself. And then we have when, um, I'm not going to remember all, I could grab the book if you want to read it, but I'll just, a couple of the pop in my head. We'll direct people to it, definitely. Okay, yeah. By the way, if they go to the website, they can order both books and a link will take them straight to Amazon. Um, It just says uh, handcrafted books and both of them are listed there at davecraft.org. So another one is... um, this is huge when, when comparing replaces contentment. Instead of being content with who I am and how God made me and the capacity he gave me and what he's called me to do and the gifts I have, I start comparing with other people. And usually comparing is a dead-end street. You either become proud or vain, one or the other. 
and uh, or, or you become extremely discouraged uh, because you're not measuring up, you're not as good as the person you're comparing with. Yeah. And we have these leaders, you know, in your world, you know, there's the Michael W. Smiths and the, you know, the famous songwriters, and uh, and it's easy, so here's where I am, and, and I'm just, you know, a little speck out there, and this guy, you know, kind of owns the world, and then you become envious or jealous, because so it's when you're not content and set, now con being content doesn't mean you don't have ambitions and desires, but you're okay. You're okay where you are until God in His grace moves you to somewhere else or opens up another door or gives you more influence. But there's a lot of people out there who, who are constantly agitated, disgruntled, complaining, even bitter and resentful that other people are getting breaks and they're not getting the breaks. Mm -hmm. So when comparing uh, replaces contentment. Another thing is when, um, when control replaces trust. Wow. When instead of trusting people and believing the best about them, you distrust people, you're suspicious, you think all people are lazy and out to get you, and then you, then you become a micromanager, a control freak. So uh, the story really is a narrative about a fictitious church. I say uh, in the beginning of the book that the church is fictitious, but the mistakes are not. Hmm. I've either experienced these mistakes or coached or been in a ministry where these mistakes have happened. So it's a story about a church and the staff and how they fell into each of these uh, ten mistakes. But it has a good surprise ending uh, oh. at, at the very end of the book, sort of like a Hitchcock uh, deal at the end there. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, enjoy it. If anybody wants to get it, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I'm it's excited. doing very well. I was just on Amazon a couple of days ago, and Mistakes Leaders Make and Leaders Who Last, was both, were they both at number one on Kindle in Christian leadership books. Awesome. Well, yeah, so that, that's God's grace. That is awesome. I was just going to ask, are they available on Kindle? Because I'm they are. I'm a Kindle guy, for sure. They're both electric. You can have it in 45 seconds on your iPad or in your uh, Kindle notebook or How cool. Kindle reader. Well, congratulations, yeah. man. That's really, that's a well, great, that's all, great. all praise to Jesus, you know. I just give them all the thanks for it. Well, I know your 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 insights are so valuable, and and even the the most disorganized right brain <laughs> guitar playing not not type A people they have a lot they can learn from from your insights and so thank you well, so much for coming on the podcast Dave it's it's been a real, well, real blessing you've had, you've had some great questions I really appreciate it Nate you have a great day thanks for the interview yeah man now before I let you go on um, you, you did mention your site. And so people can go and find you at davecraft.org. Is that right? Right. D-A-V-E-K-R-A-F-T.org. Let me say again, you'll never hear from me. I'll never ask you for money. I'll never solicit you. You're never going to go on anybody else's mailing list. You can subscribe. I blog uh, three, sometimes four times a week. So those blogs will automatically come into your smartphone and or your computer. And uh, you can do anything you want. You don't have to ask my permission. You want to reprint something, send it out, preach it, uh, share it. Some pastors write me and tell me that they use the posts. And their staff meetings just to discuss it because I've raised various leadership issues. Wow. So, yeah, have fun with it and enjoy it. That's really awesome. Yeah, and um, in particular, I, I love the section where you have kind of like a cleft notes thing for books yeah, you've read. Book. Yeah. And, um, I mean, all kinds of books in there, that PDFs basically where people can go in and, and get the notes. And these are, these, mm -hmm. are, these are your notes, but they're also quotes from the book, right? Yeah, they're just quotes from the book. Basically, what I've done is I've highlighted and underlined as I've read a book, and I just take my underlinings and put it there. And uh, I've not had an author complain yet. Maybe they will after this podcast. Um, <laughs> oh, no, but I'm sorry. What I, I tell them, uh, I tell them that um, these are just three to five pages out of a 250-page book. If you like what you read here, by all means, get the book. And uh, but if you if you're not going to get around to reading all those books, at least here's three to five pages. It's not an outline. It's not a synopsis. 
It's just quotes from the book that I found extremely helpful. So that we call just golden nuggets from the author. Yeah. Yeah. And every leader must be a reader. I think think, a lot of of people have said that. Probably you have said that too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And on Twitter, you're at... Crafto. Crafto. That's right. And right. um, I believe, do you have a Facebook page for your stuff? I or? do. If you go to the website, it says follow Dave on Vimeo, Twitter, and Facebook on the homepage. You can just click and sign yourself in. Excellent. And we'll have all the links to these, uh, for those of you who are listening, all the links for these, uh, for, for Dave on the show notes for today. And um, again, thank you, Dave, for being on the show, man. Thank you, Nate. Have a great day. You too. Love that conversation. There is a wealth of insight that Dave has to offer for sure. Um, check out christianmusicblog.com forward slash session 27 for today's show notes, which will have some highlights from our conversation and the links to all of Dave's stuff, his Twitter, his Facebook, etc. And of course, his books, Leaders Who Last. That's the book that we mainly discussed. I highly encourage that book. It's a, it's a great read. It's an easy read too. Um, a lot of times you find um, church... Leadership books can be pretty meaty and big, but he, I mean, it's it's both. It's a blend of solid theolo- theological, um, philosophical stuff and insights, as well as, of course, practical um, stuff. He is a practitioner for sure. He is awesome. Um, so thank you so much, Dave, again, for, for coming on the podcast today. Uh, so yeah, the, the show notes for today, christianmusicblog.com forward slash session 27. We'll have links to all his stuff. And check out his blog, Leadership from the Heart. And that can be found by going to davecraft.org. And it really is, as we talked there uh, near the end, just a very awesome, awesome site, all kinds of stuff there. So the book notes we were talking about near the end, just his highlights from all the books he's read. I mean, there are so many great books in there, like How the Mighty Fall, In a Pit with a Lion, um, all kinds of stuff. The Leadership Challenge, uh, The Catalyst Leader by Brad Lominick. I like the Catalyst guys. Anyway, um, just check out DaveCraft.org, and that'll head, head you over to his site. Um, I want to just highlight quickly before I let you go, um, I, I did have just a thought for, for us musicians and artists. Ezra 7, you know, he brought up that portion in Ezra 7 about, well, the context of our conversation was um, encouraging pastors who make the excuse that they're getting their devotional times in whenever they're doing their sermon prep. And um, I don't know about you, but, you know, I have had many times when I'm in my devotions and I have this idea for a song, you know, and so I um, I get sort of distracted. I get into that song and I start to get my guitar out. Now, I love, I think it's very appropriate for, for, for guitar players and worship leaders to have private times of worship. So I'm not saying don't do that, but I think you can know the difference between once you start to drift into crafting a song and writing a song and you're not so much connecting with the Lord anymore, uh, that happens. That's a real temptation. And I think um, we have to be reminded of just being with God just to be with God for our own sake, for our own souls. And, um, of course, everything else will flow out of that. So put the guitar down if you need to, if it's just a distraction. Um, for a long time I had to do that in my, my devotions. I couldn't have a guitar out because I was so... I associated it so much with ministry and my and my work and my job. So I just have my Bible and my journal. And um, 
you know, I'm trying to get back to where I can just really pick up the guitar and enjoy the Lord. And that's, that's something I'm, I'm so asking God for and excited about. But anyway, I, I think that's really, really important for us to get as artists and creative folks to be with God, the creator, just because he's God and because we need to be with God. And that's how we're created to be, to be with the Lord and in his presence and uh, put the creativity, put the work, put all that stuff aside. So anyway, also in the show notes today, we'll have links to um, Leading on Empty. That's a book he mentioned, great book, uh, the, powerful, the Power of Full Engagement, um, The Disc Profile. He mentioned that. That's a, that's a personality test, which I found very helpful. I did that as well. And uh, some links to some other stuff on his own site that I think you should definitely check out. Well, that's it for Session 27. If you have listened up to this point, I want to give you a gift for listening today. Head over to freemusicgift.com where you can find a couple of gifts and a chance to sign up for our weekly newsletter. And once you sign up for that, you're going to get on an exclusive mailing list. This is just for CMB folks. There's all kinds of benefits that you get just from being on that mailing list. To find out more about that, just go to the freemusicgift.com link and you'll get a couple of gifts and you can sign up there as well. Next week on the podcast, I'm very excited to have my friend David Santa-Steven from the Beyond Sunday podcast on our show. If you're a worship leader, you won't want to miss that conversation. That's next time right here on the C&B podcast. Until then, have a great week. See you next time. listening to the CMB podcast. For more valuable content, including helpful articles and video, visit christianmusicblog.com.